From the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, contact lens-related limbal stem cell deficiency. When patients start developing the symptoms, usually they think it's just a mild infection. First this. This year's ASCRS annual symposium was great. I learned a lot that I'm applying to my practice right now. If I have any complaint, it's that I couldn't get to all the sessions I wanted to because some of them overlapped. That's why I'm so excited about the new ASCRS Media Center. More than 1,300 sessions from that meeting are now available through this great new resource. See what you missed or revisit the most interesting sessions. The Media Center is free to all meeting attendees. Stay tuned after the podcast for more information. When I think of complications arising from contact lens wear, I think of things like panis and contact lens-related intolerance or infectious ulcers. But there's a much more insidious and more recalcitrant problem, and that is limbal stem cell deficiency. Clara Chan has just published results of a study on contact lens-related limbal stem cell deficiency so severe that it required limbal stem cell transplantation in a number of patients. I'm happy to have her with me today to discuss this scary topic. How does limbal stem cell deficiency typically present at the slit lamp? With limbal stem cell deficiency, you want to be able to diagnose it at the slit lamp in a variety of ways. It can firstly be very mild, where there's just almost confluent appearance that stains lightly with fluorescein. So that's when it's very mild, and it follows a wave-like pattern, um, usually from the superior cornea or from the inferior cornea. As it progresses... Uh, you develop this pattern called late staining, where when you apply the fluorescein after about a minute or so, you, ne- you really need to wait. The abnormal epithelial cells start to absorb the fluorescein more readily, and it creates this deeper staining pattern that also follows that same wave-like nature. And then as the disease progresses, you get something called conjunctivalization, which is exactly what it sounds. Basically, conjunctiva growing past the limbus onto the cornea. So this can appear to be very dense panis-like conjunctivalization, or it can be very fine, uh, just fine vessels that grow on the epithelial surface. And this is from the fact that the limbus is deficient there and the cells are deficient, so there's no longer a barrier to the conjunctival vessels to grow onto the cornea. Clara, when I think of limbal stem cell deficiency, I typically think of things like alkali burns. But you discuss the development of severe limbal stem cell deficiency in the context of contact lens wear. How does contact lens wear affect the limbal stem cells? So there's a variety of theories as to how soft contact lens wear can influence the development of limbal stem cell deficiency. It's definitely multifactorial, stemming from the fact that contact lenses worn for many, many hours over many, many years have a hypoxic effect over the limbus. Secondly, there's also an inflammatory component. And so if an ocular surface is inflamed chronically with dry eye, uh, blepharitis, meibomian gland dysfunction, rosacea, um, various uh, infections or, inf- or uh, viral infections that can occur on the eye surface compounded with the contact lens wear, that can also lead to the condition. 
And then thirdly, the actual movement or lack of movement of the contact lens over the limbus, as well as with the lid constantly blinking in that superior and inferior area. Um, these three components, uh, hypoxia, mechanical trauma, as well as inflammation, really cause damage to the limbus. And in certain patients who may be predisposed to developing this, you know, they, they just have one plus another plus a third. We term this sort of a two-hit or three-hit hypothesis. And dysfunctional limbal stem cells just get pushed over the edge and then fail. Claire, how is limbal stem cell deficiency graded or, or staged? So in staging um, limbal stem cell deficiency, we really look at how many clock hours are affected. So usually we would say over six clock hours or more than 50% would be more severe disease. And then also you can also um, determine whether there's the visual axis that's affected or not. And so thirdly, you could look at whether the conjunctiva is chronically inflamed or not chronically inflamed. And so there was a publication um, by Holland and Schwartz uh, that staged the ocular surface disease such that stage one would be less than 50% um, of the limbus affected. Stage two would be greater than 50% um, of limbal stem cells um, affected. And then subsequent to that, you graded as stage A, B, or C. Stage A being where the conjunctiva is completely normal. Stage B would be that the conjunctiva was previously inflamed such as in cases of chemical injury or thermal injury that have burnt out. And then stage C would be cases where there's active uh, inflammation of the conjunctiva. And those would be cases such as Stevens-Johnson syndrome, uh, mucous membrane pemphigoid, or very recent chemical and thermal injuries where the eye is still very inflamed. Claire, can I get you to describe the design of your study? So our study was essentially a retrospective review of all the cases in a database that is kept at the Cincinnati Eye Institute Cornea Clinic of patients who develop severe contact lens wear, limbal stem cell disease. Um, so it was looking at the years between 2002 to 2011. And so choosing those patients uh, who had this diagnosis, we reviewed their charts. And there were 12 patients and 18 eyes. What were your results? What were your findings? So in these uh, 12 patients and 18 eyes, um, we looked at their demographics. Uh, the average age at diagnosis was 42 years, ranging from 19 to 58 years. So these are fairly young patients. 67% uh, were female. Uh, the average duration of contact lens wear uh, was 14.1 years, ranging from one year to 20 years of wear. And interestingly, uh, over three quarters of these patients had between 10 to 20 years of use. And all of them wore soft contact lenses for myopia. None of them wore rigid gas permeable contact lenses, and none of them were hyperopic. In terms of looking at these patients' past medical uh, and past ocular histories, uh, one patient each had severe meibomian gland dysfunction, one had severe allergic conjunctivitis, one had a severe case of viral conjunctivitis. One had exposure to thimerosal, which is a contact lens cleaner that has now been discontinued in North America. And one patient had actually vitamin A deficiency after undergoing gastric bypass surgery. Um, and then finally, two patients had rosacea-related severe um, blepharoconjunctivitis. Can I get you to describe some of the presenting symptoms and signs in these patients? 
Sure. So in these patients, the average um, vision when they presented was uh, 20 over 78. Um, this ranged from uh, 20-30 to, uh, to the worst case scenario of 20 over 250. And all the eyes presented with symptoms of foreign body sensation, tearing, photophobia, and or pain. And 50% of the patients had bilateral severe disease. Um, on average, there was about 10 clock hours of the limbus involved, and over 60% had total limbal stem cell deficiency where the whole ocular surface was conjunctivalized. Granted, Claire, that these were patients with severe disease. How common is limbal stem cell deficiency in contact lens wearers generally? I think the um, issue, the, the diagnosis of limbal stem cell deficiency from contact lens wear is very underdiagnosed. Firstly, unless the patients complain of discomfort, oftentimes clinicians may not go looking for the signs of limbal stem cell deficiency. Um, when, the, when patients start developing the symptoms, usually they think it's just a mild infection or um, something that they, like their eyes a bit dry and so they stop wearing contact lenses for a while and then they go back and start wearing contact again. So, you know, we don't really have an exact percentage that we can quote. Um, in terms of what the overall rate would be for mild limbal stem cell deficiency. But probably if people start looking for it, they'll find it more commonly than it is diagnosed right now. Aside from patients with predisposing conditions uh, like aniridia, are there behaviors or other risk factors that seem to put patients uh, at particular risk for limbal stem cell deficiency? So in this population of soft contact lens wearers, Given that we found um, that more than 75% of patients had between 10 to 20 years of use, uh, we think that certainly chronicity and duration of chronic wear has an effect. To what extent do, do you think that limbal stem cell deficiency is attributable to the contact lens wear and, and to the contact lens? And to what extent uh, to toxicity from multipurpose contact lens cleaners? So one of our patients was... Um, had a history of using thimerosal, which is a uh, old contact lens cleaning solution that was found to be toxic to the ocular surface. Other than that, though, none of the patients really reported any unusual use from their multipurpose contact lens cleaners, things like that. Um, and they all actually had relatively good contact lens hygiene. Um, so I'm not sure that we from our study could show the, the factor that multipurpose contact lens cleaners played in this patient population. So I, I can't really comment on that, but definitely knowing that if contact lens cleaner solution is not properly rinsed away from a contact lens, um, that can cause almost a mild chemical injury to the eye. I've had friends who have mixed hydrogen peroxide components of their contact lenses uh, cleaning solution with the contact lens and forgot to rinse that off, put that on their eye. So if these eyes were already predisposed to developing limbal stem cell deficiency, you only need a few times of additional um, stress to those limbal stem cells to perhaps push them over the edge for that eye to develop more severe uh, findings of limbal stem cell deficiency. So the, the, the characteristic demographic of the contact lens where who's, who suffers uh, from from this, these these are not patients who are abusing their 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 contact lenses. These are not people who are putting in their their contact lenses for you know for a for a month straight and not taking them out. Uh, the these these are 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 people 
who have contact lens wear habits that are really not distinguishable from the contact lens patients that you have who are tolerating their contact lens as well? Well, from our study, we didn't specifically ask about uh, patients' um, day-to-day contact lens wear hygiene because this was a retrospective study. So that that is one of the limitations in doing a retrospective study on this subject. However, when we saw the patients um, as they came back for further follow-up, uh, they, you know, they reported that their soft contact lens wear patterns were not such where they would wear them every single night or they would um, struggle through them if they felt discomfort. Um, some t- these patients, in fact, would very quickly take them out when there was discomfort because their eyes just could not tolerate it. Um, definitely, I think the number of hours of wear in a day as well as number of years of wear end up playing the largest part. And then also on top of that, if the eyes that um, were affected had chronic inflammation, such as blepharitis or a prior viral conjunctivitis or severe rosacea, that type of thing that would further traumatize the eye surface, those patients seem to be most at risk. Twice as many of your patients were were women as 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 were men. You you report this ratio to to be fairly consistent with the findings of other studies looking at this too. Why do you think that women are at special risk for contact lens related limbal stem cell deficiency? This is a difficult question to answer from our study specifically. However, looking at um, the other, there's two other large studies that were published and they also found that women were more likely as men to be affected. And we think that this was partly because perhaps more women actually wear contact lenses. And another reason might be that women may wear their contact lenses for longer periods of time, just sort of a vanity issue as well. Um, women may also wear their makeup and their contact lenses together, which may exacerbate any lid disease that there is. Um, also, women have more dry eye problems, as we all know. And that compounded factor in terms of causing ocular surface inflammation or the role that ocular surface inflammation has with dry eye, those factors being found more in women probably all contribute to the fact that women seem to be at higher risk. The patients in your study received limbal stem cell allografts. You advise against using fellow eye autographs. Can I get you to flesh this this point out for me? So when we're talking about using limbal stem cell allografts, that means that the donor limbal stem cells come from either a cadaver or a living related relative of the patient. When we're talking about using the fellow eyes limbal stem cells, that would be an autograft. And so most of these patients, as you can imagine, if they've been wearing contact lenses long term, it's usually in both eyes. If we were to take donor tissue from the fellow eye that did not appear to have any signs of limbal stem cell disease, there is a high risk that there could be subclinical damage to those cells because usually both eyes are fairly symmetric. Now, with these patients, you don't want to risk them losing vision in their only good eye if that is the case. Now, half of our patients had severe bilateral disease, so that would automatically exclude them against an autograft anyways. Clara, having read your study, I'm eager to be more aggressive about monitoring my contact lens-wearing patients for signs of limbal stem cell deficiency before the damage is as irreparable as it was in the patients in your study. What can I do in the context of my practice to recognize early signs of limbal stem cell deficiency? 
So I think it's key that you mentioned it's important to recognize this condition early on. When it's just early on, you can actually reverse a lot of the findings just by aggressive ocular surface management, dry eye management, and discontinuing contact lens wear. So in order to be able to diagnose this condition early, it's important that you actually know about it firstly. And then if your patient who wears contact lenses comes in with a history of having worn them for greater than 10 years for more than 10 hours a day, I would be very careful in checking under the upper eyelid. That's where it usually presents first. Also, if the patient describes any discomfort um, from, the, from the contact lens wear, I would have them take a holiday from the contact lenses and then also look for whether they have blepharitis, meibomian gland dysfunction, rosacea, any lashes that might be rubbing on the limbal area, if they have any lag ophthalmus, those should all be things that can be optimized to improve uh, the ocular surface environment to prevent any further limbal uh, stem cell damage. Clara, in, in your practice, what advice do you give to contact lens wearers to minimize the likelihood of serious complications? The advice I give my patients to avoid um, complications from contact lens wear and to prevent them from developing limbal stem cell disease is if they have been wearing contacts for many, many years, and these are soft contact lens wearers, if they've been able to get away with it and it's been greater than a decade, I actually recommend that they consider switching over to rigid gas permeable contact lenses. So with rigid gas permeable contacts, they actually move a lot more. So there's better tear distribution over the eye. Also, they don't sit rigidly over the limbal area because they're a smaller diameter than the cornea. They actually leave the limbus area free from additional trauma that soft contact lenses would create. Clara, thank you for spending the time with me today. Thanks for the invitation to speak. Clara Chan is an ophthalmologist at the University of Toronto in Toronto, Canada. Her paper, Severe Limbal Stem Cell Deficiency from Contact Lenswear, Patient Clinical Features, appears in the March 2013 issue of the American Journal of Ophthalmology. Here's some additional information about the new ASCRS Media Center. Almost all of the 2012 ASCRS ASOA meeting was audio and video recorded, and there are now more than 1,300 sessions featuring almost 1,000 speakers available online. You can view the general sessions, ASCRS paper sessions, symposia, films and posters, plus select courses and ASOA sessions on business management. It's essentially the entire meeting, anytime you want, and it's all available through the new ASCRS Media Center. If you attended the meeting, your Media Center access is free. If you're a current ASCRS or ASOA member but didn't attend, you can still see everything that you missed for the member price of $199. If you're not an ASCRS member, you can still purchase the Media Center, or better yet, Join us and get the lower member price. To view the 2012 meeting through the Media Center, visit the ASCRS website at www.ascrs.org. If you're already a member, log in first and then click the Media Center link. 
If you're a guest, just click the Media Center link at the top of the page. From there, you can purchase the Chicago 2012 package, or better yet, join the ASCRS and receive the discounted member price. Ask questions of Dr. Chan or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Write to me with your questions or comments at jyoungmd at gmail.com. As Seen From Here is a production of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.